the Bible. We've been talking a lot about already this morning in worship. We've already been reading passages from it this morning in worship. It is the best-selling book of all time. It's the best-selling book of the year, every year. Over a billion Bibles have been distributed around the world. Over half a billion dollars are spent every year on Bibles. And if you look at a graph of the top books purchased, sold, and read in the last 50 years, you'll see that the Holy Bible is by far and away the most popular book. And it's not just the most popular book in print. I mean, although there's tons of Bibles in print these days, it's also one of the most downloaded apps in the App Store. Anybody here have the Bible app on their phone? Yeah, over 250 million people have downloaded the Bible app, and now we can carry the Bible with us wherever we go. And the Bible app has many different translations in it, many different languages, and that's good. Because if you're not familiar with the Bible, the Bible was originally written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And now there are over 500 English translations of the Bible. There are over 2,000 languages and dialects that have portions of the Bible translated into them. And the Bible, it's an amazing book, and actually it's, it's one book... But it's like a library. It's one book made up of 66 different books that come together to tell one amazing story. There's many different authors. It was written over the course of a thousand years. And the Bible, I mean, it's made up, many of you know this, of the Old Testament, which is this much of the Bible, the majority, and the New Testament, which is this much of the Bible, an even smaller amount. The Bible, it is a popular book, it's an influential book, it is a book that arguably is the most influential book in the entire world's history. And I was going throughout my house, as I've been unpacking, and just in my house alone, I have this many Bibles that I easily found. Anybody have more Bibles than this in their house? Okay, we got a few people, right? And my guess is that if we look, most of you here have a Bible. 87% of Americans in 2017 have a Bible in their home. And that includes 62% of people who are even hostile towards the Bible. Those people still have a Bible in their houses. And it's a great thing, right? I think most of us would agree that, that we have Bibles in our homes, that people have Bibles, that the Bible is such a popular book because most of us who are sitting here today believe the Bible is an amazing book and a powerful book. But here's the interesting thing about the Bible. You can believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. You can believe it's an amazing book and a powerful book. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the Bible is going to have any real impact on your life. For many years, I carried around a little pocket New Testament in my back pocket. I carried it around because I thought, you know, just having the Bible with me, it was going to help me grow closer to God, help me grow in my relationship with Him. And I carried it for a number of years, and it became so worn. The cover was fading. Some of the pages were getting tattered. And what was interesting is I carried that Bible with me day after day for so many years. You know what happened in my life through that Bible? Not much. Because I never really opened up the Bible and read it. 
for some reason, I thought if I just carried that Bible in my back pocket and I had it with me, that, that somehow God would mysteriously work through, through my right left butt cheek and it would, you know, somehow make me an inspired and a, some kind of person. It would just work through osmosis through me. But look, that didn't happen. Just carrying the Bible, just having Bibles in your home is not enough for God to get a hold of us, to speak to us through the Bible. We, we can't just have Bibles. We have to begin opening them up and reading them. And it's when we open it up and when we read it and when we listen for the voice of God that God speaks to us through the Bible. And God is able to help get us unstuck. He's able to help move us forward in our relationship with Him. And if I had to guess this morning, I'd guess that most of you in, you in here want to be more engaged with your Bible and you want to read it more. You want to grow closer to God through it. I know that because most of you are Americans and if we look at this graph here, we can see that most Americans desire greater Bible use. In 2017, if you look at all Americans, 58% of Americans on this left side said they wish they were more engaged with their Bible. 58%. And of people who are Bible friendly, that is they have a positive view of the Bible and Bible engaged, the number skyrockets to 85 and to 78%. And so if you want to read your Bible more, if you want to be engaged in God's word more, would you say, I do? Would you say, I do? Well, that's awesome. It's awesome that you're here today because here, week after week, during the sermon portion of our worship service, we seek to open up the Bible together to see how God wants it to speak to our lives. But I don't want you to just do it here and come hear God's word here. I want you to also do it on your own time as well. And here's what you'll discover as you begin opening up the Bible. You'll begin discovering that in these pages, spread across 66 different books, is this one story, and it's a story of love. It's a story of rescue and redemption. It's God's story, and it's now our story as well. If you're not familiar with the Bible, I'll give you a quick overview. It begins in Genesis with creation. And in the beginning, God created the world, and God created the world good. God created humanity, and God said that it was very good. And in the beginning, the world was full of love, love for God, love for one another. But then as the story continues, we see what we call the fall in Genesis chapter 3. As people said to God, God, you know what, we know you created us, we know that you've kind of told us how to live, but you know what, we don't need you anymore. Actually, we can, we can do things on our own. And sin entered into this world. Brokenness entered in. There was a broken relationship between humanity and God and all people. And that story continues today. We, we see the effects of the fall as we look at sin and the brokenness and the violence in our world. But the thing is, if you've been here the last few weeks, we've been talking, when God saw the brokenness of the world, he didn't just leave it be. The bulk of the Bible is dedicated to this story of redemption of God coming into this world and drawing people back to himself. He sent Abraham to create the nation of Israel to be a light to the world. He sent prophets to proclaim truth and justice. And in the fullness of time, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, 
to live a perfect life, to show us all how to live. God sent Jesus Christ to die upon the cross, the death that we deserved, the punishment that had to be taken out for the sins of the world. Jesus took that upon himself so that we could have forgiveness. And then Jesus rose again on the third day, defeating sin and defeating death and making a way for us to have a restored relationship with God. And the book ends in Revelation. As we see this story of redemption played out and we see an image of restoration. When we see that in the end there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth and that one day after a day of judgment when all things are made new that there will be no more sin, no more suffering, no more shame in this world, that everything will be good again. The Bible from beginning to end is this one great story of love, of rescue, of redemption. It's God's story and it's our story. That's what you'll find as you begin opening this book up. And what you'll also find is you'll find that these words written by specific authors in specific places and specific times, these are inspired words. That God inspired the people who wrote these words. But you'll also discover that God didn't just inspire them when they were originally written. That as we open this up and read it, God continues to inspire us through these words. He continues to transform our lives. He continues to seek transformation through us. And so, Christians throughout history have put the Bible in a special place in their life together. The earliest Christians, they gathered together and they opened up the Old Testament. When they just had the Old Testament at the time, they opened it up. They discussed it together. They talked about how Jesus was the fulfillment of these promises that the people looked forward to of this Messiah who was going to come and restore and redeem things. It was a huge part of their life, but they didn't just do it publicly. They also were encouraged to go and to think about Scripture privately. They were encouraged to meditate on it. And Paul, one of the key writers of the New Testament, who reflected a lot on Scripture, who knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards, in one of his letters to Timothy, his protege, his son in the faith, he writes to him about the importance of Scripture and how God wants to use it to speak and to shape us. And I want to read that passage to you this morning. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Here's what Paul says to Timothy about the importance of Scripture. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from who you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I love how Paul describes to Timothy here how God wants to use Scripture in our life. He says that God wants us to become wise about salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It's one of the key purposes of Scripture, to point us to Christ so that we can have a saving relationship with Him, so that we can be redeemed and restored in our relationship with God. But he continues, he said, it makes us wise. 
It teaches us. It rebukes us. It corrects us. It trains us in righteousness. And it's able to equip us for good works. And so here Paul is kind of saying there's two large purposes of Scripture. One of them is to to make us wise and to shape our minds, to shape our hearts, to shape our internal life, our inner life. That's one of the key things that Scripture does is it shapes us internally who we are. But he doesn't just stop there. He says it's also to shape our outer life. It's to shape our actions. It's to correct us. It's to rebuke us. It's to shape our everyday living. And so we need both things. We need Scripture to shape our minds and our hearts, but we also need Scripture to shape our entire lives. And sometimes it's hard to keep these two things together, right? Because sometimes we, when we read the Bible, we read it like other books and we come to it and we read it and we gain new knowledge and we kind of know the stories and we learn the facts and we, we do Bible drills and we know where all the books are and how to get to them really quickly. And those are good things. And the Bible is great at shaping our inner life, but God also wants it to shape our outer life. He wants us to live in obedience to His Word. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Don't simply read the Bible for new information. Read the Bible for life transformation. Don't simply read the Bible to gain new information. Read the Bible for life transformation so it's shaping your inner life and your outer life, your everyday actions. Now, I'm not one to tell a lot of cheesy preacher stories, but I heard one recently that I liked pretty well. And it was about an infantry unit in World War I. And they were preparing for battle. They were in the trenches there. And the commander was getting them ready for battle. He was telling them about the plan. And then the moment came where the commander yelled to the soldiers underneath his command, Men, over the top! And the men in the trench, they did nothing. So... He thought maybe they couldn't hear him over all of the noise in the battlefield. So he yelled again, men, over the top. Still, nothing happened. And so finally, he knew that the time was coming, that they had to act now. So at the deepest gut, visceral tone, he screamed at the top of his lungs, men, over the top. And the men just looked at him. And one of them finally piped up and said, Commander, what a beautiful voice you have. It's so great to hear your passion and your words. And the commander looked at them and shook his head in astonishment because they had completely misunderstood what he was doing. The commander was giving them commands to live out, but they were simply just running them over in their heads and thinking about his words and what they might mean for their lives. And so often, that's how we treat the Bible, right? God is telling us how to live. He's giving us commands. And we sit there and we think, oh, what nice words. Oh, that's very interesting that that happened so long ago. But God is telling us He doesn't want us to just be information in our minds. He doesn't want us to just take the words in. He wants us to begin living them out. James says it this way in chapter 1, verses 22. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do 
what it says. We can't just open up the Bible and read it and think that all of a sudden our lives are going to change. We have to open up the Bible, we have to read it, and then we have to begin living in obedience to God's Word. And it says we open it up and we read it and we begin to live in obedience that this transformation will take place that God desires for us through His Word. And one of the places that we come together, as I said earlier, is on Sunday morning. And so turn to your neighbor and say, great job being here today. Do that right now. Great job, right? I mean, hey, if you're not reading the Bible on your own, this is a great starting point to begin getting in the Bible, hearing the message, and learning a little bit more. And so great job being here today. But ever since the Bible has been in print and it's been accessible, so many of you have Bibles in your home, you have it on your phone. Ever since the Bible has been accessible, the church has also been encouraging people to read it on their own. To begin to read it devotionally in their private time. To apply it to their lives so that it can begin transforming their lives. And that's my hope for you. But I know that for a lot of us, When we come to the Bible and we open it up, I mean, look, I have all these different Bibles here. It's like, which one do you even choose? And a lot of us, a lot of us don't even read books anymore. So it's kind of intimidating to read this book, and it's organized differently than most other books that we read. And so it can be intimidating to open up the Bible and begin reading it. And so this morning, I want to give you some practical tips on how to read the Bible for life transformation, how to open it up, read it, and begin applying it to your life. My hope is that as you do this, God will draw you closer to himself, that he will speak to you. And so some of you were here a few weeks ago when we talked about prayer, and I gave you an acronym about a format to pray. And so I want to give you another one today. And this acronym is in your your worship notes, and the acronym is SOAPY. S-O-A-P-Y. And I don't know, somebody made this acronym up, but it's kind of memorable, SOAPY, so just go with it. And this acronym kind of walks through one method that might be helpful for you to read the Bible on your own. And if you already have a way you read the Bible and you're seeing life transformation, continue what you're doing, but maybe you can learn something from one of these things we talk about this morning. And if you've never really opened up the Bible and studied it for yourself, maybe you'll find this format helpful in personal Bible study. And so the first letter in the acronym is S, which stands for Scripture. And so when you're studying the Bible, the first place you want to start is with the Bible, right? And if you don't have a Bible, I know that might be some of you. If you don't have one, we actually have free Bibles up here today. So if you don't have one or you have a translation that's very hard for you to read, And understand, we have free New International Version Bibles, NIV. It's a very easy-to-read version. It's the one I preach from most often. So we want you to invite you to come get one of those at the end of the service. But a lot of us have Bibles. And you simply start with a Bible and choose a passage of Scripture to study. And now some people, when they read the Bible, they kind of read for breadth. And they like to read one or two chapters at a time. They like to read for 15 minutes straight. And that's great. Other people, when they study the Bible, they like to read for depth. They like to dig deeper and read one or two or three verses at a time and really kind of chew on them 
And so I encourage you to do different methods and different seasons, either read for breadth, read for depth. It's not, it's not really important at this point. The important thing is to just choose a scripture passage and begin reading. And so when I'm reading, especially if I'm reading for depth, I'm focusing on just a few verses or one story. I'll read it once or I'll read it twice, maybe even out loud to help it get deeper in my soul. I have some friends who will copy the passage in a journal. And as they copy it and transcribe it, it kind of helps them understand it and see things differently. So start with the scripture, read it, focus on it, get it in your mind and in your heart. And then move to the second step, which is O, which stands for observations. Begin making observations about the scripture passage. And so, just do like you would observe anything in life. Just begin thinking, huh, what's interesting here in this passage? If you've read it before, maybe something is going to stick out to you that you never saw before. Maybe look for unusual things about this passage. A great question in this section is, what might God want to teach me through this scripture passage? Earlier, as I said, the Bible is a library of books. Books have different contexts. They're different genres. And one great thing about some Bibles, especially study Bibles, is that they'll have notes to help you make observations and learn different things. And even most Bibles, if you go to the beginning of a chapter, it'll usually give you the author, the date that it was written, kind of a big overview of the book. And so you can use some of those tools to help you as you begin just looking at the passage and, and figuring out what this passage means. What might it have meant for the people back then? What might it mean for you today? So it's really just looking at it, making observations. And then, I encourage you not to just look at it and make observations, but to move to the next letter, which is the letter A, which stands for application. And to begin asking yourself, how does this Bible verse or passage apply to my life? Sometimes it's going to be easy to figure that out. Other times it might be a bit of a, a stretch. And one of the great things, especially if you're married or you have other people in your household, is to study the Bible with other people. Because it's a, it's a great way to, to make observations together, to think about applications for you and your household together. And so as you read the Bible and look at different applications, there might be some commands in the passage. Maybe those commands are some commands that God wants you to begin living out. Maybe the passage is talking about a specific sin. Maybe you need to think about that sin in your life and how maybe you need to turn from it. Maybe the passage makes some promises. And they're promises that you should believe and apply to your life today and begin living out. This is a very personal section, but this is where the life transformation comes in. It's where we move from just observing the Bible and reading it and kind of getting the facts straight to applying it to our lives so that we can live it out every single day. So that's the third letter, application. And then P stands for prayer. I encourage you when you're studying the Bible to not simply open up the Bible and hear from God, but to also spend time speaking back to God. Because this is meant to be a conversation. God's word coming to us and us giving our words back to God. And so you might pray about something in the passage. You might say, God, help me apply this passage to my life. God, I thank you for your word. Maybe the, the 
passage is about giving thanksgiving, and so maybe you just pray prayers of thanksgiving. Maybe you're convicted as you read, and so you pray prayers of confession. Maybe it's about caring for other people, and so you, you pray and you intercede for other people during this prayer time. This is where you're having this conversation, this back and forth with God as you read His Word. And then the final letter is Y. And it stands for yield. And this is the section about obedience. About living it out concretely that day. And so the question to ask yourself here is, what might God be calling me to yield to Him today? If Jesus is Lord of your life, and you're saying, God, you, you are over my life, I trust you and I believe you, then that means when we read his word that we need to live in obedience to it. We need to submit ourselves to it. We don't need to try to master the Bible. We want to let the Bible speak over us and to master and to shape our lives. And so that might look like stopping something that day. It might look like starting something. Each passage is going to be a little different. But this is where you say, today, what concrete changes am I going to make in my life as I seek to live out this passage? And I have some friends who who keep a journal and they write this acronym on the sides of the page and they kind of do this every day in their personal study time. I don't tend to do that. I tend to kind of know the structure in my head and so when I'm reading it, I kind of make observations, I make applications, spend some time in prayer and then throughout the day, I try to ask myself, what am I yielding to God today? How can I live this passage out? And so, I know that's kind of all theoretical, but I want to make it a little practical. So, I want somebody to shout out their favorite verse in the Bible. And we're going we're gonna to go through this with that verse. So, somebody shout out your favorite verse. John 3.16. Yes. I was afraid it was going to be like a really hard passage from from, you know, somewhere in the Old Testament that nobody, uh, not a lot of people read. Um, So John 3, 16. So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open this up and to do this together. Or if you have your phone, you can practice using the Bible app. So John 3, 16. So if we go to the Gospel of John, it's part of the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the fourth Gospel there. The Gospels tell the story of Jesus' life. And you'll find as you read that um, the Gospel of John is a little different than the other three Gospels, but it's a beautiful depiction of his life. And so if we go to chapter 3, we go to verse 16. Some of your Bibles might have red letters there. Anybody's Bible have red letters there? So if you're not familiar, the red letters mean this is words. these are words from Jesus. These are him speaking. So if we read the scripture, here's what it says. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So that's where we start with Scripture. And then we move to making observations about the Scripture. And so then if you make observations and you're looking at it, I mean, one thing you might notice in the first two words, for God loved the world, God loved the world, right? Which is interesting because 
When we look at the world and we see all the violence and all of the strife and everything going on, when we see the ways that we ignore God, it's kind of profound that God still loves the world. But we see here an image of a God who is love. We continue going, making observations. God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son. And so here, if we ask ourselves, well, who is this Son? If we kind of read other stuff in John and we get some of the context, we see that the Son here is Jesus. He's speaking about Himself. That God gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And here it's interesting, you know, he says, look, those who believe can have eternal life. That's profound, right? That's what most of us want. We want eternal life. We want to live with God forever. And here we see that it's pretty simple. Believing in Him and that it's available to everyone. Everyone who believes in Him. Anyone who believes in Jesus can have eternal life. So this is what you do. You just make observations as you study it. Ask different questions. Look at it from different angles. And then if you move to application, you might say to yourself, well, God loves the world. Maybe I'm called to love the world as well. If God is love and we're called to live our lives like Him, maybe I should love other people. You might ask yourself about your relationship with the Son. Do you believe in Him? What are ways that you don't believe in the Son? What are ways that maybe you don't trust Him or you don't always follow His word? You might think about the reality that if everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life, if that is true... Maybe that's God calling you to go and to share that good news with other people, with your family members, with your friends who don't know the good news of Jesus Christ because this is an amazing gift. So here we're doing this work of application, thinking about how does this touch my life? And for each of you, it's going to look different. God is going to speak to you and this is going to apply to you in different ways. And so then we come to the time of prayer. And here you might simply pray, God, I know you are a God of love. I pray that you would make me be a person of love. You would help me love my neighbors today. You would help me forgive people. You would help me share your word. God, it's scary to share your word with people and to share the good news with people who don't like you. But God, this is such good news. Help me to have boldness and courage to invite my neighbor to church, to help them hear the good news. That's what a prayer might look like for this passage. And then yield. Yield, it could look like you saying, you know what, God, I'm going to stop being mean as dirt to people today. This is going to look different for everybody, and it's going to look different for each scripture passage. But my hope is as you begin opening up God's word, reading it and applying it to your life, whether you use these tools or you have your own tools, or you find another way, my hope is that as you begin opening up His Word and reading it, that you will experience life transformation. That's my hope, and I know it'll happen. If you open up your heart to God as you read into His Spirit, 
that wants to speak to you through these pages and through these words. This book has transformed countless people's lives. It's transformed world history. It's transformed cultures. And it's transformed my life as well. See, for many years, I kept that little New Testament in my back pocket. I didn't read it much, but then eventually I started reading it. I started opening it up and reading the stories that were contained therein. And then my church, when I was in sixth grade, I have a lot of Bibles here, but they gave me this one. The Student's Life Application Bible. It's a great study Bible. They gave me this, and I began reading this Bible. And opening up my heart and listening to God to see what He would say through it. And as I read it, I was drawn to stories like the story of God calling Moses in the book of Exodus. I was drawn to stories like in 1 Samuel where God calls out to Samuel in the night. And Samuel says to God, here I am, Lord. I was drawn to stories like in Luke chapter 10 when Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And as I opened up God's word and began trying to apply it to my life, I began to discover that through his word and through God's spirit working in me, that God was actually using the Bible to change the trajectory of my life. That God was actually calling me to go into ministry to answer a specific call from him. A call to go out and to make disciples and to proclaim his word week after week. As I opened it up, read it and applied it, God began transforming my life. And I know that story might scare some of you. You might think, I don't want to open it up because I don't want to be a preacher one day. That's the scary thing. God might call you to that. He might be calling somebody here to preach his word and to be in ministry. God might do that as you open up the word, but he might not. He might simply shape you and help transform you into being a better mother, into being a more loving husband. He might help you see with new eyes the world around you and give you a heart of love and compassion for other people in need. I don't know how exactly God will do it, but as you open up his word, as you begin to apply it to your life, everything will change. My hope is that as you open it up and as you read it, if you haven't been able to say it before, one day you will be able to agree with David and his words about Scripture in Psalm 19. And as we close this message today, and as we bring the kids in to receive their Bibles, I would love for us to proclaim this together. Psalm chapter 19, you have it there in your worship folder on the back of your handout, and it's here on the screens as well. So let's say this together. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, 
than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Amen.